600 Pixels, a podcast that goes below the fold of the World Wide Web to see how professionals in the industry design and build better digital experiences for everyone. I'm Caitlin Studley, Director of Culture at LifeBlue. My name is Travis Self, front-end developer here at LifeBlue. And today we sit down with Brian Schmidt. He is another interactive art director here at LifeBlue. And we are doing our part two episode on an event apart, Boston. And he's going to talk to us today about inclusive design and how we can include people with disabilities earlier and more meaningfully in the process. Let's listen. This week on the podcast, we have Brian Schmidt joining us. He is an interactive art director at Life Blue. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for thanks for taking the time. Uh, I think overall, uh, our game plan is to discuss a little bit of the Event Apart conference uh, that you guys attended back in May because you learned some interesting stuff that we're hoping you'll share with us. Uh, but we figured we could probably start and have you tell us a little bit about your background in design, maybe how you came into design, and maybe your transition through different disciplines because you've done some print and moved into digital. So we would love to know a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, as most designers do, I started out as an illustrator and uh, played around in Illustrator and Photoshop trying to figure out how do you, you know, make this illustration digital and how do you become profitable doing that? And uh, I didn't figure that out, so I decided to become a designer. (laughs) (laughs) So were you a print designer? or? yeah, eventually I became a print designer. <laughs> so my first job was at a sign shop in a very sketchy part. I, th- I think part a of lot of people start at the sign shop. Very you know? sketchy part of Dallas. Oh yeah. Um, oh, wait, yeah. so this was when you were in Dallas, okay? Because you've yeah. you've lived, you know. Yeah, I didn't watch in California design over in the West Coast. No. Okay, okay. All Texas. Okay. okay, Texas designer. Yeah. So I worked at a sign shop. Started out like doing very minimal signs and. Um, they just kept giving me more and more stuff to do. Eventually I was running like five printers doing maintenance on them and everything. <laughs> so Dude, I used to work at like a um, technician. I worked at Xerox and I was doing something similar where you had to like go get the paper and get the pallet of paper and bring it next to your machine and load it up. Yeah. We were printing like blue cross, blue shield insurance statements or like health statements yeah. and stuff. So Ooh, I was kind sexy. of sexy. Yeah. So like, oh, there's a jam on printer five and I better go fix it, you know? So yeah. you, you probably know what I'm talking about. I right? feel yeah. like this could be a game almost like Diner Dash where you're trying to juggle five printers and oh fill them all with it, paper it like and that. unjam printers. It was, it was pretty bad. It was uh, like that, yeah. Our printers were a bit bigger. Like one of them was at least like eight foot. So we'd print like a hundred foot long banners and it's just like making sure this really long banner keeps printing while you're messing with this other printer and it was a mess and it smelled really bad so it's probably (laughs) giving me cancer who knows uh, (laughs) was it like vinyl banners or something like that i might have to call one of those numbers on tv like (laughs) did you work with these printers (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was vinyl banners vinyl banners so that yeah this is why we wanted schmitty on the podcast oh man yeah so if so from cancer later, yeah right? from <laughs> from inhaling fumes to yeah. to uh, I guess did, did you ever have like a work at like a magazine or something like that or like a newspaper like doing like well, classic like book layouts and stuff yeah or? well after the the sign shop I went to um, a design agency in Louisville and they do a lot of 
like multifamily homes, apartment stuff. So they do like brochures for them. Mm -hmm. They do websites for them, business cards. So was that your first exposure to web design? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. So I did a lot of the print stuff and branding there. And then one day they're like, hey, you want to do web design? And I'm like, sure. It's like, how different could it be? (laughs) No, I was pretty like intimidated by it. But yeah, they gave me a project and. You were up for the challenge. Yeah. So what, pretty what well. year was this? Yeah. 2009. <laughs> Back in 1990. I'm not that old. <laughs> were you the webmaster? <laughs> <laughs> I was not the webmaster. That was some guy named JD. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so you, somebody listened Love to our that last episode. Back. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So spent some time in web there doing some you know, websites and I worked with developers and Fought with developers a lot. How, um, how smelly <laughs> we are and how we don't ever shower and stuff like that. How they say no to everything. Yep. You and we can't say, do this. If you, you make do one this. more header. You can't do this. Yep. That's what we do. That's the relationship between developer and designer is designer says, hey, can you do this crazy thing? And we say, no, can't do it. <laughs> but then I go and find an example online and say, hey, look, they, <laughs> they did, did this. <laughs> yeah. Just All that you guys have in common is that none of you like the lights on while you're working. Yes, that's very true. That's yeah. Although Johnny likes it. Johnny likes it on. I don't like it on. I like the natural sunlight. Me I too. I don't like the Exactly. None of this is going to stay in the episode, by the way. Oh, that's too bad. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I if, I, if I need yucks, then I'll You don't want to hear our light preferences? I think we should yuck it up. Yuck fest. <laughs> yucks with Brian Smith. Yeah. So, so website build, how did the website build go? Did you find that you liked it? You wanted to keep doing digital stuff? How, what was that experience uh, like? Back then, I mean, we were still using Photoshop for everything. So there was a lot of parts of the process that were really painstaking and not efficient at all. And then having developers try to go into Photoshop and like figure out stuff was a little more difficult than with Sketch now. Right, yeah, like trying to convert points yeah. to pixels and all that yeah. so while i was there i was like researching other software and being like how can we make this easier how could we make it so we design something and it translates better to code so i mean that was a fun part of the process there so after that design agency i went to a travel company um and uh there's a lot of great people there i met a lot of cool designers it was a great team but i mean it was mostly print. We did a lot of flyers, brochures, branding, stuff like that. So no web there. They had completely separate like design and web departments. There was no talking to either. Oh. So the branding and the web stuff didn't really match. It was yeah, just like, okay. hey, we do our thing. You do your thing. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. It wasn't very cohesive. Interesting. Yeah. Did you, prior to coming into LifeLoop, did you... Um, really think about accessibility at all or was this kind of your because your first project when you started here was like hey by the way we're making a super accessible website yeah so was that your first real exposure to it um i had a little bit of exposure and my job before this was like finances and they a bunch of them just got hit with lawsuits like oh hey we need to be accessible or we're gonna you know owe a bunch of money so it wasn't really they didn't care about being accessible it was just hey, we don't want to get sued, Sure. so let's fix that. So, I mean, LifeBlue was the first place I've worked where they actually, you know... Tried to make it a good experience yeah, for the user. Yeah. yeah, it was the point of accessibility was put into play rather than just, hey, we don't want to get sued. Right, exactly. Okay, so 
with that in mind, since Event Apart, Boston, 2019. <laughs> uh, by the way, this is episode two, if you want Part two. Part two, yeah, because if you go back and listen to episode three, we had two of our other art directors uh, on this podcast, and we talked about sort of what they liked from the show. So we're going to talk to Brian about what he liked about Event Apart, but it was mainly focused on inclusion and accessibility this year. So you... Um, talked about or you uh were drawn to this presentation by uh, a fellow by the name of Derek Featherstone who works for Level Access. Uh what could you give us like a quick summary of what he talked about? Yeah, um basically it, he was talking about inclusive design and how it's not just accessibility. So it's not just you know making it so people with disabilities can use it, it's including those people in the process. So they're part of it. They're part of like all the solutions. They're part of the process. So on the final product, of course, it's going to work because they were part of it. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of times it's missed. People who don't have any disabilities are trying to yeah. determine what's the best solution for somebody that does have the Making disability. a lot of assumptions. Yeah. We're making yeah. a lot of assumptions and like we, we don't know how these, yeah, how they use the, the, the products. And so he, he did a good job sort of showing examples of like, Hey, you know, we did it this way and we thought it was great and accessible. And then we gave it to people who actually had disabilities and we realized that we were wrong. You know, he talked about a, um, like a video player. Right. Right. So what did, what did they do with that? So they had the goal of making this accessible video player. And, um, so they thought they did make an accessible video player. It had all this stuff that would work. Like, like a it checked all the boxes. Yeah, stuff, it checked yeah. all the boxes. Was this just like integrated on a website or something like that? Like a video player digitally accessible in the browser? So I think they were like a consult consulting group or something like that. So this is yeah. how they So I think they were working with somebody else. So I don't yeah. think I'm not we're not sure if it was on a website or not. It was yeah, I think it was intended for a for But it was a something digital. Yeah, something digital, digital. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it checked all the boxes, but when they finally decided to test it at the very end uh, it failed on a lot of accounts. Uh, there were people that couldn't see the slider and the time at, like together, so they couldn't control it properly. They just moved the slider and then guessed where they were to see how far they were in the video. Uh, there were people that couldn't control it with the screen reader at all. So, I mean, they had lots of issues, and they realized at the end, like, hey, we got to include people earlier. We can't wait until the end when it's user testing time to include people with disabilities. Yeah, and I think that's like one of the shifts that a lot of people are talking about right now is that we need to actually involve people in, earlier in the process so that we can, and not just people with disabilities, like, you know, yeah. Yeah. large groups of like testing, you know, because like we've talked about, like accessibilities or disabilities isn't necessarily like the ones that you, the obvious ones that you think of, you know, it could be somebody who's like, you know, caring for their kid or like holding, playing there with their yeah. baby or something like that, yeah. you know, with one hand holding their child with one hand. Yeah, yeah. Holding their child. I mean, I don't have kids. so I don't know. Is that, do you guys actually do that? Do you hold them with yes. one hand? Yeah. There you go. You can hold two kids. You at heard once, it even. first. You have two arms. You heard it here first. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you might be, you know, holding a baby in one hand and trying to use a phone, you know, the yeah. other hand. so like you're, I've done it a lot. Temporarily disabled. If you want to look at it that way. Yeah. So like, you know, it's not, it's not just for, the obvious disabilities. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I you're solving for that one disability, but it yeah. expands to all kinds of different people. Right, exactly. It is definitely a fundamental shift in the industry right now, right? Prior to 
the last, I feel like even year or so industry-wide, it has always been an afterthought. It's always, we made a thing, now how do we give other people access to it? Whereas we are now shifting and it's creating a majorly broad approach to something instead of it being narrow of saying like, hey, I'm a designer, I'm experiencing this thing, I feel like it's beautiful and cool and whatever, or functional or great for this business. Now I have to backtrack and figure out some switches to flip or, you know, filters to select to make it accessible for any number of people. Whereas now we are kind of flipping that on its head and saying, hey, how do we start from the beginning and not rule out this, you know, what do they say? It's like at least 13% of the population falls into this category of disabilities or, and that's like permanent disability, like whether it's visual impairment or physical impairment, that's not including all of the use case scenarios that we're discussing. Like, you know, someone has a broken arm and yeah. that's temporary or they're holding a kid or, you know, we even talk about not uh, ones that are not ideal, but perhaps inevitabilities, which is unfortunate. But, you know, you look at examples of like, I think the Microsoft accessibility chart has like someone texting and driving yeah, on distracted it. drivers, <laughs> distracted yeah, drivers yeah, right. like that's not ideal but, but it happens but it happens so is that a use case we plan for right like we design knowing that we shouldn't be doing things that incentivize people to use their phone or or want to engage with their phone while they're you know it's kind of almost like this opposing you're you know you're it's all around behaviors and um abilities so it's it's a really really interesting topic makes you wonder how many car crashes could have been prevented if the app was designed better just made Indeed. it more accessible well yeah, yeah. i don't i or don't know about accessibility accessible. but it's a it is a great question i always wonder because apple implemented that function of you know you can uh have that function where it doesn't let you quote unquote access your phone while you're driving right. but yeah. you can just click a button that says i'm not driving and right. keep texting yeah. and driving yeah, so that's right. a that's I'm a fundamental totally not driving right, now. Yeah. right like it's like prove it <laughs> well, and it's like if I'm at a stoplight and I'm trying to switch my music and I constantly have to turn that off, I'm just going to shut that function off because it's annoying. Right, exactly. Or if Matt is trying to mess with the map on my phone while I'm driving, he's going to turn it off. You know, it's it's one of yeah. those things where you're like, is this really solving a problem or was this just a feature that was made to feel good? So To appease people. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So yeah, Derek talked about, um, he, he basically framed it like, we created an accessible video player in the sense that we like checked all the boxes and did what the guidelines told us to do or suggested we right. do, but we didn't practice inclusive design. So it wasn't the best product that it could have been right. for the largest audience, you know? Yeah. So, um, I think some of the stuff that, that he talked about that was really helpful was sort of these questions that you can ask yourself during the process to, to help to get you thinking mm -hmm. more inclusively. But yeah, he talked about um, including people earlier in the process, right? Right. Um, but um, I think what was interesting, and he had a lot of examples of this, was the question of how are people already solving this problem, whatever the problem may be. Yeah. And he, they showed, um, he showed examples of how people with disabilities are adapting their video game controllers oh, yeah. and stuff like that. And that was kind of cool. So yeah. can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so... People with disabilities have been adding all these like switches and toggles and buttons onto their like pre-existing controllers, but they'd have to like break the controller to make it work. Yeah, like rig it up. Yeah, so it's like taking it apart, trying to rewire it, put it back together. 
all just so they can, you know, play a game the same way we play a game. But uh, so Microsoft eventually figured this out and they made this adaptive controller and it's got these really big buttons, but it also has all these like, you know, aux inputs and USB inputs on the back. So it's like 20 or so inputs. So instead of making them just use all of Microsoft stuff and say, hey, this is our controller, use this, that's all you get. They can take all the switches they already have and plug them into these standard inputs so they can use all their switches on this controller. So they get to play all the games that we play the same way that we play them, not like they don't have to create accessible games just for people with disabilities. Right, exactly. And what I liked about that example is they showed the packaging for this yeah, thing. Yeah. And even the packaging was more inclusive, which means, you know, they thought about the entire process for this person. Because yeah. can you imagine if they made a really super accessible controller and then the box was hard for this person right. to open? It's like one of those wow. plastic like those, shell yeah. cases. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's hard for us. Go get a machete. I yeah. am an able-bodied adult and I cannot open those without cutting myself. Yeah. You know what I, like, they are miserable. Whenever that happens, I'm always like, do you want me to use this or not? Yeah. You know, whoever made this product, like, do you want me to? It's like, what is the point of this? To use I this product? To keep me from stealing it from a store? And I mean, then like, you'll cut yourself sometimes on the it? The best like, is oh, yeah. when you buy yeah. scissors and they're in those cases. <laughs> <laughs> it oh, is man. painful. I yeah. yeah, but yeah, the packaging was really cool. It has like, for people that can't like grip very well with their hands, it has the like, big hook tab so you can just kind of stick your hand in it and pull you mm. don't have to like grip anything really hard and it just kind of all slides out from there yeah i mean if you just look it up online like xbox adaptive packaging you'll see these really yeah, cool there's, gifs there's a video out there or a gif that you can see where yeah. kind of the package almost you know unfolds itself you know mm-hmm. yeah it was just you know that's the kind of thing where it's like they went even further you know with right. with the uh, product that they delivered but yeah this is an example of obviously microsoft worked with with people yeah. throughout the process to make and, and to really learn how how are they currently using controllers and yeah what can we do to make it easier on them so yeah they worked with people with all different disabilities just to make sure it works for a variety of people not you know just a few i did really love that super bowl commercial it made me cry oh yeah Oh, yeah, that's right. They showed the controller, right? Yeah, they yeah. showed all the, all the different adaptations and all the different kids that were playing games mm-hmm. with it and how it, you know, it was just a group of people all playing games together but different ways, and it was just so right. awesome to be like, wow, what a great thing because gaming is something that is, I mean, it's been popular our entire lives, but yeah. I feel like it's now even getting like, more popular because of all the esports stuff but it's hard to find anybody that doesn't play games yeah nowadays. in some way shape or yeah. form and just to see something that is such a can be such a quintessential part of childhood and just them removing that barrier of now all these kids can play together and it's not an issue at all and there's no like you know that element of like oh well we have to make it easier for you or we have to do right. make some kind of alteration it's like no it's equally the yeah. game is the same it's you're just, playing all the same people yeah. it's just controllers are adjusted you can do all the same exact things i just love i love that so much and just seeing like the parents being so excited about it, it was awesome yeah i'm gonna tear up guys just thinking <laughs> about it it's awesome no, it's, it's just amazing commercial. like when when these priorities are made how much it can actually change lives it's pretty awesome 
kudos to Microsoft. Definitely. And I mean, if you just check out all their, like you were talking about, the Microsoft yeah. accessibility standards, they have a lot of great information on there. Yeah, they do. We can link designers, to those. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll put a link to that in the, um, show, the show notes. notes. We do have a website. I don't think we mentioned it on the podcast. We haven't. Yet. But it's up, 600px.fm. So anyway, we will have um, an episode page for every episode on the website at some point that we'll have show notes where we can link off to stuff like this. So, um, so yeah, he talked about, and I, I, I get to cheat because I have the slides right in front of me, so I don't remember any of this off the top of my head. Okay. But he's <laughs> he, he had this notion of um, of he's like okay well he he was sort of speaking for somebody in the audience and he's like but Derek honestly we aren't excluding people intentionally and he said yeah but you aren't including them intentionally either and the notion of like think beyond what you know and then assume that other people know more than you think they know right I think that's you know something that we all like fall into it's like oh we're we're yeah. professionals we do this for a living right we make you know, a lot of assumptions yeah, trust us we know yeah. we know what we're doing we read the guidelines didn't we the yeah. wcag guidelines so what's what's could go wrong you know right other experts wrote these so they must yeah, exactly. know everything as it's well it's like all right. the thinking has been done already yeah. but yeah we need to to get people involved and let them use the product you know yeah and, and he talked a lot about like asking people but that's not all you do you need to observe because right. there's a lot of things we do in our daily lives anybody that we don't even think about you just do it so if somebody asks you a question like how do you do this it's probably hard to explain like this is the step-by-step process that i go through to or like how to tie your shoes get dressed or yeah tie your shoes or whatever but i mean if you observe people you can really see like how they're trying to figure out problems yeah but yeah, it's it's it is a challenge to get because you know a lot of you know where do you get the resources? You know, I think right. there's um, there are groups like the group that Derek works for, where they have groups of people that they can do Q8 like you can provide them with your website in development and they can give it to a group of people that will yeah. QA it and stuff like that for you. But you have to like invest in that kind of stuff, you know, the uh, time and the money. Yeah, well, and they this, didn't. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say so much of this comes back to what. I do and why diversity is so important in hiring, right? It's, I mean, businesses try to fight it all day long, but diversity is just good business because the more diverse your teams are, the better you can design for all different use cases. Like I heard one the other day that I honestly, in my white privilege, had not considered, and it was someone on a podcast talking about how hand-washing sensors Mm -hmm. don't work well for African-Americans. I've heard about that, yeah. And I was like, I had never thought of that. As someone who is not really, I mean, they're just generally kind of crappy anyways and don't really work that well. But yeah. that was something that I had not considered. And somebody was like, if you're African-American, like those things do not work for you because whoever built them, they were white. And so the sensor was not designed. For, and it wasn't tested by anybody. Yeah. But And so people. that's a perfect example of just a small everyday thing that could have been solved so easily if they had just included more people when they were user testing it. And it's just stuff like that is crazy. So design, you know designing for different groups of people is a challenge when you don't know what you don't know, right? So the broader reach you have with different groups of people on your teams, it's inherently just better business. So that's my soapbox. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you and good night. (laughs) Well, to expand on that, like there's this really well-known article. I don't remember what it's called, but it 
It just talks about super well known. <laughs> super well known. So well known. We you might know it. It has the it. word knapsack in it. I remember that. Really? The name of the Go article. Go on. Anyway, I've never heard of this well known article. About unpacking the knapsack of white privilege. Oh, or yes. Something yes. Like that. I okay. know what you're talking See, about. It is well known. Yeah. And it's anyway, a knapsack. It, it's a knapsack. But it's it talks about like the invisible knapsack. There yeah. you go. Talks about band aid colors. You know? Yeah. That, yeah. That blew my mind. I was like, oh, yeah. I've never had to think about it. Absolutely. But like, you know, they're, they pretty much match my skin tone. Yeah. I prefer the cartoon characters. But. Me, you know what? That's the way to solve this problem. <laughs> Only sell cartoon characters. Uh, no, absolutely. Yeah, that I was an exercise when I was in college. I belonged to a leadership group and that was one of the exercises that we do. I think it's, uh, it, yeah, it's just a list of uh, statements and you go through and you mark like every statement that's true for you or that you agree mm. with. So mm-hmm. I just pulled up a list like one of them uh, says like, I can, if I wish, arrange to be in the company of people of my race most of the time. Uh, I can turn on the television or open the front page of the paper and see people of my race widely represented. So it's like all of these different things to help you process like, oh, this is the extent of my privilege. Like all of these things are true for me. Like I am never asked to speak for all of the people in my racial group. Uh, I am, I can be pretty sure that if I ask to talk to the person in charge, I will be facing a person of my race. Like all of these different Mm -hmm things and the band-aid thing is in here as well i don't know if i can find that one specifically because it's a pretty long list i think it's about 50 questions uh, it, you long, know, but i think it's something along pretty the lines detailed. Of, <laughs> oh here we go i can i can choose uh blemish uh cover or bandages in flesh color and have them more or less match my skin that was one that i was like oh my gosh i have literally never considered and this it's, in yeah. my entire still life true if you go to the target yeah and or anywhere and you're looking at like oh they may have like one box or something like that where it's like a variety of colors yeah or but for the most part, yeah, we have every size and shape available to us. And how would you ever know that nuance if you didn't ask someone else about? Yeah, their when experience? it's your right. default, you know, like, and it's always been that way. Like, you never have to question it. Like, yeah. oh, just go get some band aids. Yeah, never have to think like, oh, they don't match my skin tone. Yeah. So, so yeah, we can probably extend some of those um, lessons into the design process. You know, that's the idea. Like, we're building websites. We're not building products or whatever. Well, it's a product in a way, but we're not yeah. building tangible physical products but you know the idea is like how do we how do we take that kind of stuff into the web design process derek even had a slide in his presentation that says acknowledge your privilege and your power and your position in the design process so there you go yeah yeah talking about like our responsibility we have as the people that are creating the product like we have to add people to the process we can't just wait for somebody to tell us to yeah i would even say it's an honor it should be treated as an honor to be able to include other groups of people that otherwise maybe wouldn't be given consideration right i think so often when we get into this territory the argument becomes like well we're just everything gets uh sort of dumbed down right not actually dumbed down but we kind of bland make everything bland because when you're trying to design for all these different groups of people how could you possibly create something that's interesting and beautiful and all these different things but i would argue if it's reflective of all these different groups of people how could it not be those things like everyone of every background and ability and and whatever like all these people are beautiful and unique and original in in their own ways so to me that's a 
pushback of not wanting to work within constraints, which is what design right. is, right? Oh, You're yeah. designing within constraints. Um, it's always There are always constraints. They just manifest in different ways. So to those people, I say, if you're not up for the challenge, then maybe this isn't yeah. the right career for you. But I yeah. feel like it's a cop out to be like, well, we can't make everything accessible for everyone. I mean, to some extent, that statement might be true in some small facet, but... I feel like it can always be adapted in some way to make it accessible. And what a great challenge to be worthy of, to be able to raise the bar and set a new standard to say like, yeah, we include everyone from the start. And so we honor everybody's life experiences. I just feel like that's a really amazing uh, call to arms as a career. Uh, But I think it's interesting that those are kind of the two sides of it. I mean, a big part of being a designer is being able to solve problems. Yeah. I mean, and that's part of the fun of it is, you know, meeting those challenges. But there is the side of the designer that's like, I want everything to look really nice. Yeah. That artist side or whatever. But, yeah, you know, sometimes that gets in the way. But, I mean, there is still opportunity to solve problems and make it look good. It's just that whole form meets function thing. Yep. And how do you balance that? And I mean, it's a challenge we take on at Life Blue, and you know, we work together, developers and designers, to try and achieve these goals while making it, you know, the same quality. Not like we're not trying to tone it down. We're trying to how do we get it the same quality and solve these problems? Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know that I can, I can top that in this discussion i feel like that's a that's a high note to go out on yeah i mean i think that wraps it up pretty well yeah well i am sure this is the first of many conversations we will continue to have um not only uh for future conference visits as this stuff in the industry starts to continue to develop and we have more to add to the conversation just as the industry kind of shifts its perspective of accessibility as a burden to accessibility as a priority and a perhaps a privilege uh, to be able to include individuals. But yeah, thank you for sharing all of your perspectives with us today and sitting down to, to talk about it all. I think we'll have some interesting stuff to leave in the show notes for folks to check out. Um, but if they want to find you on the interwebs, uh, are there any places, any any dusty corners they can clear the cobwebs from and maybe connect with you online, whether it's a website, portfolio, a, a LinkedIn? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on Behance, LinkedIn, um Instagram, my handle is Brino Schmidt, B-R-Y-N-O. <laughs> I always love hearing people's uh, yeah. handles, it's great. I've had lots of interesting nicknames, Brino. So we'll put those Schmitty. on the website, so it'll be, you don't have to remember how to spell Brino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brino Schmidt, that'll help. Yep, we have we have nicknamed him Schmitty here at Life Blue. Yes. Yeah, That I mean, there's three Brians here and a Ryan, so. Yeah, We're, it was starting to get crazy. It necessity. It's a little yeah. out of control. Yeah. I mean, in, I mean you're... Sh- you look like a schminny, so. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> you are a schminny. I think on. that's a compliment. Yep. Well, thanks for being on the podcast with us, Brian. Thanks for having me. And we hope to visit with you again soon. Of course.